Okay. Uh, Zivon did not like it. <laughs> no, just let, just shoot from the hip. Okay. Okay. Hello and welcome back to Famous Last Words, a makings of films cinema movie podcast. A filmmaking podcast. Right. A watching films podcast. An Andrew and Teresa podcast. Most importantly. <laughs> um, we might not be your favorite la- everything Famous Last Words, but we are one of them. Oh, nice. Like it. Yep. Of course, we are always joined by our antagonist here, Zivon T. Borkington, who is currently looking for treats in his bed <laughs> this is how we keep him happy folks mm-hmm. uh today we are talking about a movie about a painter who some people might be familiar with from his touring exhibit of uh non-stop bullshit and interactive experience vincent van gogh in the first movie we're talking about and the movie we're talking about is at eternity's gate Tell me, why do you say you're a painter? Because I love painting. I have to paint. I've always been a painter. That I know. A born painter? Yes. How do you know? Because I can't do anything else, and believe me, I've tried. So this is a 2018 movie by uh, acclaimed director Julian Schnabel, who also made a movie about a painter who died young, uh, Basquiat, which is one of my favorite movies. He himself is a painter. He uh, is a painter first turned filmmaker, and he also made The Diving Bell and the Butterfly, another one of amazing movie. Um, At Attorney's Gate came out in 2018. We actually saw this in the movie theater. We did before the pandemic when people still went to movie theaters. People still go to movie theaters, Teresa. Not as much. Yeah, well, we got to change that. <laughs> um so, kind of by happenstance, we also watched uh, the movie from 1956 around the same time, uh, recently, around the same time as watching this, um, which is uh, Lust for Life, which uh, is also about the life of Vincent Van Gogh, uh, directed by uh, Vincent Minnelli, um, and maybe George Cooker, but we don't, we're not getting into that. They're both very different portraits of Vincent Van Gogh. One is... Lust for Life is a very kind of not formulaic, but it takes you through the many beats of his life. It spends a lot of time with him trying to be a priest in this poor coal mining territory. And I think that that movie is trying to make you think to yourself, oh, one reason why Vincent Van Gogh had all this trauma and all these problems was because of this trauma of working in this village and that he was really selfless and that it was really traumatizing to have these uh, poor farmers, uh, these poor miners kind of die constantly. And Mm -hmm. um, that that was like a trauma that scarred him for the rest of his life. Yeah. Um, Lust for Life, the older film, is more of like a traditional representation of like a biography of Vincent van Gogh. It tries to take you through his entire like adult life to starting from like right before he was a painter and what like inspired him to begin painting and then all the way to his death. And um, At Eternity's Gate takes a more modern approach, I think, where it tries to focus on one portion of his life and really go a little bit more in-depth on that and more in 
more so his mental space, his emotional, yeah, his emotions of that time period. So, at Eternity's Gate, focus is mostly on the era uh, era of like him living in the yellow apartment in the it's like the countryside. In the countryside, of, yeah, 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 yeah. When he's in in Arlay and and Ove. Orvs, Orvs. Um, my French is terrible. Sorry for our French <laughs> friends that listen to this. But yeah, when he, it's mostly focused on the end of his life when he did a lot of the best work he's known for. You know, the very impressionate, like the the very yellow, very bright colored, mm-hmm. swirly paintings was all done near the end of his life. He painted a lot of other things, but that was like the ones he's really known for are primarily from this period and. At Eternity's Gate is really, I mean, a lot of times it's from first person perspective. Like you're really, you're literally looking down at his legs and mm-hmm. and you're seeing things like POV shots constantly. And a lot of like quasi split diopter, I guess they use glasses tilt, and tilt, tilt, shift, shift. tilt shift lenses mm-hmm. to really achieve this very dreamy, milky, out of focus. Um, they do uh, perspective, which when it's bright and sunny out is really amazing but then sometimes when he's having these moments of uh you know anxiety and frustration he he they're they're kind of claustrophobic and kind of have mm-hmm. a different uh they kind of close in around him and the thing that's a really interesting thing where it will play back the audio from a scene directly after the scene has happened in his head yeah yeah, I think the most remarkable thing about this film is is its style and the way it's shot. It's as you mostly described. You know, it's very it tends it has a lot of POV shots and even the shots that aren't POV. It's made to feel like you're inside of Vincent Van Gogh's head and his mental space and just the unique way that he saw the world. Probably do like which you could interpret through his paintings and how he represented how he represented how he saw nature in particular but just the whole world um so you know that the film is shot with a lot of wide angle lenses handheld which you know this is a film that does not use a tripod very much but it's used in such an intentional way with an intentional purpose and style that you you get it like you feel like it's part of the world that he's trying to create right the movie uh yeah the handheld use is like a really great example of how to use handheld sometimes it's a lot to take but like the camera (laughs) literally gets turned sideways like things to kind of really heighten where his head is at what his brain is doing to him Mm -hmm. um and i think that is really interesting amazingly so the more modern movie at eternity's gate glosses over and does it all, he cuts off his ear off screen and lust for life ha- it happens on screen there's blood that splurts on the wall mm-hmm. and it's very much more like they show it all they you know yeah you know though f- both films are shot in very different ways have different storytelling techniques different trends of the time periods um the one thing that is pretty consistent is like they let the scenes sort of play out. They let the two, they let the actors act, you know. Um, mm-hmm. They're both very similar in their stillness of like, there's not a lot of cutting. Yeah, yeah. And if there is cutting, it's it's during those really frantic moments, like you were talking about, where they, he's in a bad place and he has a lot of anxiety and they're playing back the audio. There's, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure this probably could be fact checked that, that one of the theories is that he was schizophrenic too. So it's like, um, 
you know, the playing back of the audio and the frantic cutting is supposed to make you feel that kind of intensity. Right. And, you know, if you believe what he wrote about himself, he there's a lot of portions of his life that he he didn't understand. And he had like these kind of episodes where he couldn't remember what he was doing, what he was saying. You know, and, I, and the movie does gloss over these. They have these these moments where you're kind of outside of him's inside of him's brain and like um yeah they're done to effect they they make they show you the world from his perspective 100% in at attorney's gate but in lust for life they try to show you more of a bio, biographical you don't spend as much time in his head and i think both mm-hmm. performances are equally as good you know yeah. willem dafoe or kirk douglas are both really great in their roles yeah it's funny that both films I felt had somewhat like over the top dialogue where especially at Attorney's Gate, like the there's a big chunk in the beginning where he's talking to um Oscar Isaac's character. Uh, Paul Gagan. Yeah. And the first scene like feels like they're reading poetry. It feels very like weird and stifled and I don't know. I'm like I'm not against it because of the whole style of the film. I think it's okay, but it took a while and sometimes it bothered me sometimes i didn't like how not realistic the dialogue was there were times in both movies that i found it incredibly frustrating in both of them and at a train's gate i liked it better watching it now than i did when we saw it in theaters years ago yes i was gonna mention that too we've seen this twice so the second rewatching that we just did like a week ago i enjoyed it much better and i'm i haven't pinpointed exactly why it's maybe it's just like you have to get used to the the whole style and the vibe of the film, and once you do, and so maybe that takes a rewatching, you just feel like you get it more and you can be in tuned with it a little bit better. Um, though I still feel like I lost attention towards the end. Like I definitely the first time watching it, I was just kind of like it lost me mm-hmm. almost towards the end, the last quarter of the film, and then this time a little bit better, but I still like kind of was ready for it to like end before it was over yeah i mean both this movie uh at attorney's gate made us we both were like oh this feels like it's almost over and then it was like oh there's still quite a Mm -hmm. bit left and because it does take a while to unravel um it takes its time and i like that it takes its time i mean at attorney's gate is an hour and 51 minutes it probably could be 10 minutes shorter if we're being honest I think they're actually great movies to watch close together. Uh, Lust for Life is two hours and two minutes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Because it tries to tackle more of his life. And, and it does. Yeah. And I it mean, does. Yeah. I mean, I enjoyed both films. I actually wanted to watch Lust for Life again after. We probably will. Um, I just think Vincent Van Gogh is a really fascinating person. And I like the different approaches that the film takes. Um Oh, one other like small thing that I like wanted to point out that I really really liked in At Eternity's Gate is it tackled like the the language shift pretty well. Like, um, so you know they would hypothetically be speaking French this entire time, this entire film, but you know Julian Schnabel didn't want to do it in French; he wanted to do it in English. So they start conversing a lot in the first couple scenes in French, and then within like mid scene they switch over to English. And I just felt like that's a very smooth way to acknowledge this film should be like, these people would be speaking in French. However, we're going to shift to English. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, 
it's a bold choice, but I think it makes a lot of sense because mm-hmm. it, it also does this thing dramaturgically to support that, which is that he, when he can connect to someone, he's speaking English, a language that is, of course, Willem Dafoe's, you know, mm-hmm. language. When he can't connect to someone, when he's at odds with someone, he speaks French yeah. in his broken French. So there's a sequence where these kids are like, oh, look, a painter. And they're like, you're painting an ugly painting. And he's trying to tell them to get back in French and like, get, stop touching his painting. And mm-hmm. it feels even more taut and, and it feels more like he's struggling. Vincent van Gogh, not French. He's from uh, mm-hmm. Amsterdam, right? I think he's he's... Yeah, I think he's Dutch. He's Dutch. Um, so his, and I guess his French was notoriously terrible. Oh, okay, that too. So uh, K- Kirk Douglas is speaking French, is speaking English the entire way. Yeah, no, they don't yeah, even yeah, attempt. Yeah, <laughs> both movies are pretty experimental for their times. Like in *Lust for Life*, there is lots of use of stills, like uh, of paintings, and they actually at the beginning of the credits they have this long scrolling. Like mm. we like to think these museums for their generous support of letting us photograph and show the paintings that so when it's like he's talking about painting the hay bales in lust for life you then they cut to it and you see it as like a beautifully shot mm-hmm. still almost did julian schnabel do the paintings for it at eternity's gate he did he yeah. recreated all wow. the paintings amazing yeah and was william defoe willem defoe did um does he paint? He was he's doing paint, some live painting. Painting on Julian Schnabel's already painted canvases. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. It was good. I, I bought it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, also, not for nothing, Julian Schnabel also did all the paintings for Basquiat. Right. Yes. I do remember that. Yeah. No, uh, Julian Schnabel is a, is a really great filmmaker. He has a really interesting way of putting the cameras in unexpected places, and he has, he's okay to let the image hold mm-hmm. when it needs to and he does a lot of interesting things that are kind of quote-unquote rule-breaky yeah in his movies i think of the shot in uh uh sorry uh in diving bell and the butterfly where they're in the convertible and the camera's low angle and her hair's blowing in the wind mm-hmm. and it's kind of happening at like kind of like it's a little undercranked and it's like very interesting yeah no this is an interesting like film within his collection because you can see his hands all over it, but it's it's kind of different from the other ones that I've seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, what is? Can you remind me of our rating system? I can never hold it in my head. <laughs> um, all right, our rating system is simple. It's three things. It's skip it, mm-hmm. watch it, mm-hmm. or buy it. Mm. Meaning you love it and you want to watch it over and over again. For mm-hmm. those who don't buy physical DVDs and Blu-rays anymore. Okay. So, I would like to own this because we do, um, and because I we almost we jumped right in and watched a little bit with the director's commentary after finishing it, mm-hmm. and I really wanted to listen to what Julian Schnabel has to say. I think it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. He talks about choices that were made, and and yeah, I think I agree with that. I think in, when it came out and we saw it in the theater, I would have just said watch it, mm-hmm. but now that we actually own it and we rewatched it. Yes, I think I'm leaning maybe a little bit more towards own it. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that there's a lot of movies about uh, Vincent van Gogh out there, um, including a movie from 2017, which is Loving Vincent, um, which we haven't seen, but it's um, an animated movie about his paintings and uh, features the voice of, um, what's his name? Jerome Flynn mm. from... Uh, Played of Game of the oh, Game, Game, of- Game of Thrones. The 
He's one of the knights in Game of Thrones. Uh. And the lady Helen McCroy, who, McCrory, who is was in Peaky Blinders. Mm. Um, and there's an episode of Doctor Who, Matt Smith season, mm-hmm. which is really good. Yeah, and, and cheesy, and it will make you cry. And there's an episode or a TV movie with Benedict Cumberbatch where he plays Vincent Van Gogh. Hmm. And Martin Scorsese plays Vincent Van Gogh in a Kira Kurosawa movie. <laughs> wow. Um, we do have a mailbag question. Really? Wow. Let's let's hear it. Okay. non biz nasty <laughs> asks us, I find myself constantly fighting with my spouse every time we even try to do a crossword puzzle. How do you all work together? Do you ever fight working together? <laughs> well, thanks, Nanyu Biz Nasty. <laughs> well, I hope you stop fighting with your wife all the time. That Spouse. sounds like bad news. Spouse, sorry, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, would you want to take this one? <clears throat> we never fight. Ever. Ever. I've never cried on set either. Never. Never. Ever. Sometimes not because you made me cry. Sometimes maybe because you may have contributed to it. <laughs> no, that makes me sound like a terrible person. No, it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of stress on set. It is. Um, we traditionally don't fight all that much. We don't disagree. We mm-hmm. are we work out our issues with what we're doing beforehand. Well, I wouldn't say we don't disagree ever. No, no, no. We do, but it's usually it's usually come out already before we. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. In pre-production, we do a lot of bickering. Not well. A little bickering, but just we're both feel strongly when we don't completely agree, which we do agree on a lot or like within degrees of agreeing. Mm-hmm. If there's something you and I are both like separate, on, we will like fight to the death for like our version of it, our reasoning. Mm-hmm. And then eventually we settle. I mean, one of the ideas has to, there's probably a little bit of compromise, but usually it's someone's idea gets chosen and the other has to accept it yeah i would say that the the time that we fought the most was whenever we made stop motion videos those were always those were always fraught yeah experiences yeah no i love working with you i think it's what makes our marriage great our partnership great in every sense of the word working not working i don't know i like being with you and i like sharing ideas with you and we have similar sensibilities similar tastes we vary a lot and i think that's where we have some heated debates but Mm -hmm. you know it's fun i like it i think we work really well together our skills complement each other really well we have some overlapping skills but the ones that are completely different we're really strong in like you know like just generalizing you're very strong in like directing and leading people and just being confident, charismatic. And I'm really not that I'm not strong in those things, but I'm very strong in like technical mm-hmm. putting pieces together, the puzzle of things, editing. You're really good at organizing. seeing kind of like the landscape really yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. So we work really well together because it's like we fill the gaps. Yeah. Yeah, I think we do work really well, and I, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I understand how, why people don't work with their spouse very well, but I don't feel like we have all the tr- traditional problems. Yeah, I mean, we our relationship grew up in working together, so I think that's why it works really well for us, too. Yeah, I agree. Well, thanks for your question, non-you-biz-nasty. 
Um, so if you like us, you should like us. And we would really like an uptick of subscribers if you are so inclined. Uh, and if you like this comparison episode of two movies about the same subject, we could probably do this again. Yeah, let us know, because this was fun for us. I hope this is fun for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm Andrew. I'm Teresa. Bye. Bye.